Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 23 on the 10 characteristics of Abraham as a businessman by him being trusting, transparent, kind, modest, frank, humble, gentle, fair, precise, and he always paid on time. Now, before we begin our Bible study here with Tom Cantor today on Friendship with God, we want to introduce to you the new Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible from Tom Cantor. It's an amazing study Bible that features the greatest resources and Bible study helps available on the market today. Now, this King James Study Bible and Reference Bible has genuine lambskin leather, over 2,200 pages of Bible helps and references and outlines. In fact, over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, 12 custom-made full-color maps, as well as a History of Israel 9-page full-color timeline map, and a full Bible concordance, popular Bible scripture references to study and memorize, prophecy and fulfillment study section, names of the Messiah study section, the life of Joseph study, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah study section, Hebrew root notations and definitions, as well as how to receive the Jewish Messiah, also a tour of the Bible scripture journey, daily bread reading notations, over 600 pages of Bible study helps with the Friendship with God King James Study Bible. You will enjoy this Bible from Tom Cantor and will pre-sell it today for a donation of $100 or more to the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. Donate today and receive the new Tom Cantor Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible, over 2,200 pages. You'll enjoy this Bible. Call us now at 800-247-3051. You can also call us after the program. Again, 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Sign up to receive this Bible at the beginning of January. 800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Genesis. And the question is from Mark 8, 36 through 37. For what shall it profit a man? If he gain the whole world, what shall it profit? You know, very, very important word in business, profit. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain, another important business, the word gain, the whole world and lose, also profit loss statements, lose his own soul. And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? All very business terms, profit, loss, statement, exchange. So I asked my friend, Let's say you make the greatest business deals and you end up with billions of dollars. How long do you want to keep those billions? Where is the profit if you have those billions for a short time and then you lose your own soul? How much time with those billions are you willing to accept in exchange for your soul? Ten years with those billions till you're 78 years old? Is that worth it? You lose your soul for those 10 years? 20 years with those billions till you're 88 years old? I don't know what kind of shape you'll be in in 88, but anyway, let's say, is that worth it? And when I told him that he needed to be saved from his sin, he said, sin? What sin? And as an example, I said, well, the sin of looking with lust at a woman in your heart. He particularly laughed at that, laughed at that and, and rebelled. And I don't understand why. Of course, then as we're talking, you know, the issue came up of him having two children with his current wife. So, well, nothing wrong with that, except for the minor problem that when he had those two children with his current wife, she was another man's wife, married to another man. That's why Moses uses the term would in Deuteronomy 32, 29. Oh, that they were wise, that they would understand this, that they would consider their latter end. It's a would matter of them considering their latter end. It's totally a matter of their will that they would consider their latter end. No one can force a person to do that. They must be willing themselves to consider their latter end. And from that I can see I couldn't persuade him 
that to consider his latter end. I was not able to persuade him to consider the cave at the end of his field. It was clear to me that it was his sin that he was not willing to face that made him not willing to consider the cave at the end of his field. He wasn't willing to consider the grave at the end of his life. And I was frustrated. I was not able to get him to do this. All I could do is take my frustration to God in prayer for him, which I did after he left. And I was cleaning the dishes, and I took his dirty plate, and I held it up to God, and I said, Oh, God, this plate is my friend's heart. (laughs) It's dirty. It's dirty with sin. And as I take this sponge and this soap and clean this plate, I'm praying, as I do that, that you would clean the heart of my friend with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never seen a plate get so clean before. It was like a mirror. (laughs) We see in verse 9 that Abraham told them that he wanted the cave of Machpelah, and he's willing to pay whatever it was worth, as he said in verse 9, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of burying place amongst you. He wanted a burying place. That's all he wanted. He wanted a burying place. Why did he want a burying place? Why did he take such care of Sarah's body after she died? Why didn't Abraham just throw her body away and say, well, you know, why didn't he just burn it up? Why didn't he cremate it? Why didn't he say, I know a way to get the dead out of my sight. I'll just just, uh, destroy the body. It was because Abraham did not believe when you're dead, you're dead. And Abraham believed in the resurrection of the dead. And even though worms were going to destroy her body, he took care as best he could to do what he could to care for it before the resurrection. So he wanted to secure a place for Sarah to be buried, at which would be the same place that he was going to be buried at, just like I secured a place for Cheryl to be buried, and then a a place next to it. We always joked about that. We said, we'll have to put, she hated electronics. I said, I'll put an intercom between it, near to where Bert Poole is buried. But as Abraham buried Sarah in that cave, it was with hope, and the cave represented for Abraham a very special place of hope. It was the hope of the resurrection. And the Bible teaches us that there are two great hopes with two great purposes which God has. There is an earthly hope and a purpose, and there is a heavenly hope and a purpose. There will be a new earth, and there will be a new heaven. And this earth in which you and I are living is going to go on through eternity. It's going to go on into eternity. It's not going for the trash can. It's not going for the garbage heap. It's going to be renewed. And that was the hope that Abraham had. For now, sin has taken over the earth. But our God is going to cleanse this earth from sin, and it's going to go into eternity. It's interesting, when you think about sin taking over the earth here, this cave of Machpelah, where Abraham and his family are buried, today is in present-day Hebron, about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. And Hebron today is an Arab town. It's a very famous, it's a part of the West Bank. Very famous, especially among Jewish people, because in 1929, there was the, uh, the Arabs massacred Jews in Hebron. It's interesting, 67 Jews were killed, same number has been lost today in the Gaza War. But Hebron today, and they moved the yeshiva from there to Jerusalem at that time, Hebron today is a very dangerous town. And today, if you wanted to go see the cave of Machpelah, you risk your life. You risk your life to go do it. First of all, you can find it because there's a Muslim mosque built over it. And you go in there and you look down some hole and they say, okay, that's the cave of Machpelah. But Abraham knew the world's going to be cleansed and there's going to be this resurrection. Now, here we want to look at Abraham. It's very interesting because here we really see, we've already seen Abraham in action with God as the businessman who was negotiating for the saving of Sodom and Gomorrah. But here we see Abraham as the businessman negotiating with men. This is interesting for us. And so we want to consider here Abraham, the businessman, and how he's our model for how to conduct business. 
Because what we see in Abraham in this chapter is a model for godly businessmen. So the first characteristic we see of a godly businessman in Abraham is in verses 7 through 8, where Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of land, even the children of Heth. In verse 7, verse 8, it says, Hear me and entreat for me to Ephron the son of Zoar. So when we see Abraham, and this is not just the first place, it does it another time, in this chapter, putting his face on the ground to the children of Heth, when we see him asking them to intercede for him to Ephron, we see that Abraham was humble in his business dealings. He was a humble man. There was no arrogance in Abraham. There was just this sweet spirit of humility in Abraham, the businessman. And notice when Abraham does meet Ephraim and speak with him directly, that it says in verses 12 to 13, and Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And he spoke unto Ephraim in the audience of the people of the land, saying, but if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. So here we see emphasized that Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And it was in the audience of the people of the land. You know, it's one thing for Abraham to have humbled himself by bowing down before one person privately. But for Abraham to humble himself by bowing down before the people of the land, that was much harder. And then notice that what Abraham says in verse 13 to this Hittite man, when he said in verse 13, he said, I pray thee, hear me. But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. See, I pray thee, hear me. Please, I'm asking for a hearing. This wasn't easy for Abraham. After all, Abraham had been promised this land by God. So why should he be buying a cave in the land that God gave to him? Abraham could have been arrogant, and he could have said, now listen to me, you Hittites. You're squatting on the land God has given to me. Could have said that. I'm not going to pay you for that cave. I own that cave. I own everything around here. And I'm ordering you to vacate this land. You're trespassers. He didn't have that spirit. This is not Abraham. He graciously was willing to pay for the land God gave him. Abraham is an example of what the Lord Jesus Christ meant in Matthew 5.40 when it says, If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And an example of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6-7, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with the other. Why do you not rather take wrong? And why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Now, if you go to any leading business school, like Harvard Business School or Wharton School of Business, and you take a course on business negotiations, they will tell you not to do this that Abraham did. They'll tell you that when you humble yourself, you make yourself look weak to the other side, and that puts you in a weak position where you can be taken advantage of. You always negotiate from the strong position. They'll tell you that. Negotiate from a position of strength, not from a position of weakness. And it wasn't easy for Abraham to humble himself before the sons of Heth. And it's never easy to being humbled. It takes an act of our will. It's interesting in verse 7 that it doesn't just say Abraham bowed, to the people of the land. Notice what it says. Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land. He bowed himself to the people of the land. Notice how this is emphasized again when Abraham bows a second time in verse 12. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. See, verse 7, he bowed himself to the people of the land. Verse 12, he bowed down himself before the people of the land. These descriptions of Abraham bowing himself, bowing himself down. It portrays to us that this was something that didn't come naturally to Abraham. It doesn't come naturally to us. 
These descriptions teach us that there's a side of Abraham that said, I'm not going to bow down before these God-hating idolaters. And then there's a side of Abraham that said, oh, yes, you will, Abraham. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take my hand, his own hand, I'm going to bow you down. That's the side in Abraham that bowed down himself before the people of the land. That side of Abraham that humbled Abraham publicly, that went against Abraham's natural inclination to stand proud. And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. Which brings about a picture that we're to take our own hand and humble ourselves down when we don't feel like it. We'll return with our Bible study with Tom Cantor here in just a moment on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to remind you that Tom Cantor has a bookstore with all of his materials that's available online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Get all of Tom Cantor's materials. And there are many creation resources there as Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. And also, he's got his daily devotional verse you can sign up for Write at friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up for that. Get a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, just one verse from the Bible, and a small commentary, one or two-sentence commentary on that verse. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us to support this Bible teaching radio program as well with a one-time or monthly contribution. Call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Now here again is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's the first characteristics of a godly businessman. He's humble. He's not arrogant. He humbles himself by honoring others who are not believers. The second characteristic we see in Abraham businessman is in verse 8. He communed with them, if it be in your mind. And then he says, and entreat for me. So he asked the sons of Heth to entreat for him. He needs the cave. He really, really needs the cave. Should I say it again? He needs the cave. <laughs> he really needs the cave of Machpelah. Sarah's body is deteriorating fast, and there's pressure on Abraham to get the deal done fast so he can put Sarah's body in that cave. Pressure on Abraham could have easily made Abraham anxious to make sure that nothing went wrong in the business deal to get the cave. It would have been very easy for Abraham to get under pressure, to get up tight, to get anxious, to jump in and say, get that cave at any cost. It would have been easy for Abraham to get into the mode of, by hook or crook, get the cave. And most business deals are like that. There's a need, there's a pressure, there's a temptation to get the deal by hook or crook. But Abraham, as the godly businessman, he says to himself that he only wants the cave if God wants him to have the cave. And so Abraham resists the temptation to get the cave by hook or crook, and Abraham steps away from the pressure, and he asks the sons of Heth to go intercede for him. And if Abraham had yielded to this pressure of getting the cave at any cost, then he would have said that he wanted to deal directly with Ephraim, make sure nothing went wrong to get the deal done. But Abraham casts the outcome into the hands of the sons of Heth, who will intercede for him. And we see him as he does that. He's really casting the outcome into the hands of God. He's taking the position that he only wants the cave. It's the will of God. And if it's the will of God, then the sons of Heth will be successful in their intercession for him. And if God doesn't want him to have the cave, then the sons of Heth will not be successful. In either case, Abraham has peace. He has peace that God will make the decision to either get the cave or not get the cave for Abraham. And he walks away with peace. He's not in this torment of anxiety. Now, if you go to any leading business school, like Harvard Business School or Wharton School of Business, and you take a course on business negotiations, they'll tell you, don't do this. They'll say, don't do this. They'll tell you, take control yourself of the business negotiation. Never entrust the deal to a third party, because that puts you in a very vulnerable position. 
So there's a real temptation for the Christian businessman, for him to see his business opportunity and said, that's an unbelievable opportunity. It must be from God. Thank you, Lord. I'll take it over from here. And when he does that, he's effectively pushing God out of the way and reverting to the get the deal by hook or crook. And the proof that he's done this is that there's anxiety. There's no peace. And if he gets the deal, there's no peace because he doesn't know if God really wanted him to have it. And if he doesn't get the deal, there's no peace because he second guesses he did something wrong and he lost the deal. But what we see Abraham doing, the asking the sons of Heth to intercede for him, it brings Abraham peace, who's trusting God. He's removing himself from the initial contact with Ephraim so that if the sons of Heth are successful, that was God. If they're not successful, that was God. He trusts God. God knew that he had need for a place to bury the body of Sarah. God knew its body was stinking. And in his business dealings, Abraham trusted in the words, your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those things, chump change for God. That's a paraphrase. So Abraham trusted that his heavenly Father saw the fast deterioration of Sarah's body and knew he needed a place. And notice, too, that when Abraham asked the sons of Heth to intercede for him, his instructions were, I'll pay for as much money as it takes to get the deal done. That's not what he said. He says, I'll pay for as much money as it is worth, he says. So he tells the sons of Heth that they were to tell Ephraim, I'm willing to pay as much money as it's worth, not as much money as you want. I'll pay the market value, not what the market will bear. Because Abraham was an honest dealer, and that was another characteristic of a Christian businessman. The deal should be right. For both sides. You know, years ago, we had some stainless steel fabrication done by a company, and right after we paid for it, we found out they did it wrong, and we pointed out to them, and they came back to him and said, there's not enough money in that job for us to go back and make it right. So Abraham told the sons of Heth that he was willing to pay market value, and by telling them that, he was further putting it into the hands of God. Second characteristic, the Christian businessman trusts God for the outcome of his business dealings. Next characteristic we see in verse 4. He says, I'm a stranger and a sojourner. I want a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. There's a transparency here. We see it in verse 8. He said that I should bury my dead out of my sight. You know, from the first encounter, Abraham was absolutely transparent. You could see through him. This is why I need the cave. He said it went in verse 4, burying place, verse 8. He repeats it. He didn't try to conceal his motive. He didn't go up to him and say, you know, I was just kind of walking around here. I said, that's a nice cave. I think I like that cave. Yeah, why, why, why not? I like caves. He didn't do that. He was absolutely upfront. He told him, I have a pressing need for the cave. You go to any business school, Harvard Business, Wharton School of Business, they'll tell you, don't do that. They'll say, keep your cards close to your chest. They'll say, and never reveal to the other side how desperate you are to make the deal. Because that puts you in a weak position, and you get taken advantage of. But we see with Abraham, simple purity of mind, it was transparent. He told them that he was desperate to have the cave for a burying place to bury his dead out of his sight. Third characteristic, Christian businessman, he does not try to conceal his motive. He's up front. And then he said, I'll give the money for the field. Now notice, this next characteristic in the businessman, is you have to look at three verses. Verse 9. He wants the cave, that he may give me the cave, which he hath, at the end of his field. He's not asking for the field. In verse 11, nay, my Lord, the field, you take that too, I can give it to you for free. And then verse 13, notice he says, but if thou wilt, I'll pay thee, I will give thee money for the field. See? So in verse 9, he just wanted to buy the cave. In verse 11, Ephron was throwing in the field as part of the deal for free, and Abraham just wanted to buy the cave, and now he's off the field. And so in verse 13, Abraham changes and said, okay, I'll give you money for the field. 
Abraham didn't want to buy the field. He just wanted the cave. But now Abraham seemed willing to pay money for the field. He didn't want to buy. Why? This shows how Abraham was a fair dealer. He was a fair dealer. He wasn't going to take the field unless he paid for it, even though it was offered to him for free. He didn't say, look, I only want to buy the cave, and I want to buy the cave. But since you're offering me the field also, and you're saying to accept it as a gift without paying for it, no, I won't do that. I won't do that. I'm going to receive the field, and I'm going to pay for the field. You go to any leading business school, Harvard, Wharton School of Business, they say, don't do that. They'll say, get all you can get for as low a price as you can, and walk away and congratulate yourself. That's not Abraham. A good businessman makes sure that the deal is fair for both sides. And that's what Abraham was, a fair dealer. Next characteristic we see, businessman, verse 16. Abraham hearkened to Ephron, Ephraim weighed to Ephraim the silver. Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he'd named 400 shekels. So here we see Abraham immediately, right away. We see him weighing out. He's making the payment on the spot. Abraham is following what it says in Ecclesiastes 5, 4 through 5. When thou vowest a vow to God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. Better you shouldn't vow, shouldn't pay. Proverbs 3.28, say not unto thy neighbor, as in Ephraim, go, come again, tomorrow I'll give, when thou hast to buy thee. Abraham paid what he owed now. Abraham did not say he'd pay him tomorrow. That's another characteristic Christian businessman. He pays his bills on time. At a prayer meeting one time, there was a man who owed another man a debt. They were both in the same prayer meeting. And the man who owed the debt prayed, Lord, give me devil-defying faith. And the man he owed the debt to said, Lord, give him debt-paying faith. (laughs) Very interesting little phrase that appears in verse 17 and verse 20. See at the end of verse 17 where they describe what was being paid for, cave, trees, field, all the borders, and it says they were made sure, were made sure. Verse 20, field, cave, were made sure. For possession. That little phrase, we're made sure, means that before many witnesses, the exact details of the deal were specified. Who was the former owner? Ephron. Where was the exact location before Mamre? Hey, Don, they got surveyors out here practically, you know. What's the exact description? Trees, field, cave. This was done so that there would never be any question about the details of the deal. You know, we made a deal to make pregnancy tests for Carter Wallace for Church and Dwight, and we did that for 19 years, but we had a contract. Before we started, we took six months to hammer out a 60-page contract, which described everything. It still endured all the way to the end. Anyway, we made sure the deal was sure, and it was a good thing that Abraham wanted to make sure this deal was sure. No handshake deals here with Abraham. Okay, yeah, give me a No, everything's spelled out. We don't know if it was written or not, but it certainly was many witnesses. Ten characteristics of a Christian businessman. Number one, he was trusting. Verse eight, entreat for me. Number two, he was transparent. Verse four, I want a burying place. Number three, he was kind. In verse eight, he communed with them. Number four, he was modest. In verse four, I'm a stranger. Number five, in verse 4, he came right to the point. No dilly-dallying around. Came right to the point. He wanted the burying place. Number six, verse 7, he was humble. He bowed himself. There's six. Number seven, he was gentle. Verse 13, I pray thee, hear me. Number eight, he was fair. Verse 13, he paid for the field. Number nine, verse 16, he weighed the silver. He paid on time. And number 10, he was precise. In verse 17, he made the deal sure. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the example of Abraham to us this morning, Lord. And we know, Lord, that he did all these things because Abraham was the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And you, Lord, working through the yielded vessel Abraham, Lord, you moved him to do all these things and gave him strength. So give us the same strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another great Bible study from Tom Cantor. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. So friendshipwithgod.org, iTunes.com or SermonAudio.com to download today's message or past messages. Now you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up with your email for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one small verse from the Bible and a small exhortation or encouraging note from Tom Cantor on that verse from the Bible. You can sign up with your email at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available through Facebook. You can befriend Tom Cantor by searching for Tom Cantor on Facebook, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God and the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, has put together a four-year Bible project, the Friendship with God King James Study and Reference Bible from Tom Cantor, over 2,200 pages and over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's printed with Finland thin paper printing technology to minimize its thickness. It's covered in a black lambskin leather, gold lettering, and over 30,000 Bible column inline scripture references, as well as over 20 pages of full-color maps and timelines, a full Bible concordance. This is an amazing Bible with, again, over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's yours for a donation of $100 to the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. It's available now, so call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Make your donation today for the Friendship with God Bible at 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Or again, call us at 800 247 3051 800 247 3051